five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond with your host, Justin. But before we get started, how was your geek week? And co-hosts, Dan and Jason. You have to be willing to let the dice help you tell the story. Okay, look, this year, I'm going to stop mispronouncing words. Join us as we cover board games to war games and beyond. Welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I'm your host, Justin. Dan and Jason are with me tonight. Welcome, boys. Hey. Good evening. Uh, so, again, I go back to my last episode. A couple of weeks ago, I read that if you want a good podcast, one thing you should do is state an interesting fact about yourselves. I'm going to state one about Dan tonight. Dan is, in fact, the 2013 Polka Champion. Well, yes, and I got that title um, through cheating, corruption, and uh, bribery. So thanks for bringing that up. You're welcome. Sandesky misses you, Dan. Yeah, 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 yeah. An interesting topic about yourself. I thought you did this last time when I wasn't on the show, and I'm like, great. I, I want to hear interesting things about everybody else. And you're like, well, moving right along. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't give anybody else a chance. Well, you know, I mean. It's okay. We had a show to do. (laughs) (laughs) Next on our agenda. It's good times. It's good times. Uh, We got a good show tonight. Uh, It's our Thanksgiving show. So what would we be doing for our Thanksgiving show if we weren't talking about what we're thankful for in the in gaming um and this year in gaming in particular because i think it's been a pretty good year for all of us in terms of gaming stuff um, oh 100 I, I know it's been a better year um for me personally than the last couple of years so it's been good i think we'll we'll have a lot of really awesome things to talk about but as always let's get into our geek week jason let's start with you jason yeah jason uh so i will say i've two things one uh, i've been printing some star wars dice for a friend that wants to cast their own dice oh i guess dan you could maybe shed some light isn't there some issue with buying star wars dice right now uh yes it largely has to do with how horrible edge studios is when they move the the star wars (laughs) rpg from ffg that's good at printing things to Edge Studios, which cannot deliver a product to save their damn lives, and they have a product that requires custom dice, dot, dot, dot. So you better download the app or cast your own or buy them at an inflated price on the Internet. Yeah. Yeah, so I I mean, I use the app. but Can, uh, can Can I just actually jump in here real quick and say something? Yeah, sure. I'll just jump in on your time, too. Oh, but Jason, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but our good friend Steve at Baron of Dice has a Republic military dice set, a Rebellion dice set, an Imperial dice set, a Confederacy, di- Confederacy mm-hmm. dice set, and Shadow Group dice set that uh, are Star Wars affiliate, not Star Wars affiliated. They're not Star Wars affiliated. <laughs> it's not for the RPG, though. 
Slight correction. They are for Legion. That is true. Yeah. Um, Yes, they're for Legion. But if you want the same style of dice that wouldn't work for your RPG, but you still have them, go find them on BaronofDice.com because he's got them there. You can get a set of... How much are the Star Wars dice? Like, if you were to get Legion ones, Dan? Uh, They're about 11 bucks. 11 bucks for how many? 11 or 12 bucks for... There's, I, I wish I could say off the top of my head, there's a bunch of D8s and a bunch of D6s, so probably mm-hmm. six of each. Yeah. That's a guess. I'm not looking at the internet. I'm not using crib notes. It's just off the top of my head. I know yeah. this because I just bought some. Not. I guess I didn't wait long enough. I would have bought them at Baron of Dice, but I didn't. I still might. I don't know. Yeah. So he's got some He's got some good dice set. Looks like about 25 dice for about $5, or $35. Which these are custom polyhedral dice, and I think you'll have way more than you'll um, than you'll need, which is awesome because yeah, they're nice. You can never dice. you can never have too much dice, especially for a war game. Yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're very they're very they're much much nicer than the ones that you can get off the shelf. You know what I like about these ones is they actually say stuff on it like crit and surge. And <laughs> They use because, words. Because me, sometimes I'm like, dang it, what does that symbol mean again? Yeah. You know, my yeah. my extent of symbol on dice works for like when it replaces a six on a D6. Like that's pretty much my extent. So, um, you know, this kind of helps with those with those things. So, Jason, I'm sorry. I yeah, so, jumped into your time. Uh, back I'm to sorry. my Geek Week. Yeah, so I apologize. Anyways. Just a second before we keep going with this Geek Week. I think this would be a good opportunity to plug Baron of Dice. (laughs) Jason's like, why did I come on this dumb podcast? I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. No, that's fine. Continue, continue, Jason. We'll allow it. That's okay. Good. 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 So I'm trying to bring the steam back into me right now. Uh, Oh, so sad. No, that's okay. So printing printing Star Wars dice for a friend, the RPG dice. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm printing them on the resin printer, and he's going to then cast them uh, to make his own... his own dice at the quality that he wants, so that'll be good, you know. And and I'll say this: uh, printing dice on a printer is cool, but it's not the final dice you want to use. Um, and I think if you get on most YouTube uh, dice making channels, that's their recommendation too. You you gin up the dice in your blender or studio or whatever you want, print it on your resin printer, and then you make a cast. You you sand it down, get it all nice and clean, then you make a cast of that. And a mold, and then you and then you use a really nice kind of hard re- resin inside that mold uh, to bang them out. So that's how what he's going to do. How do you do the top side? Do you is it two molds that you so, put on top of each other? How does that work? So well, on the 3D resin printer, uh, you stand it up on supports on the point. On the yeah, I'm talking edge. about when, yeah. when you cast it. When you do when you casting. cast it, it's a full. You can do the full um, uh, round it with a uh, uh, a breathing hole in oh, it. Oh, breathe hole. Yeah, and then you just sand the breathing hole off when you're uh, finishing the dice with some really. There's special special type of sanding paper that they use to get down to a really nice finish. So it's really it's a custom as in like it's a hand. That's when you see like the hand cast and handmade dice these aren't like dice that are then like made in batch printing and then like tumbled in a rock chamber to get the right. final uh, pick and on them. does do they split 50 50 and open up through the hole uh yeah so um it's actually let's think of it this way if you think of like a little uh like a plaques a plastic uh, dixie cup mm-hmm. that you would fill with um kind of the mold and then the mold hardens 
with the dice in there. And then you take it out of the cup and then you will slowly slice it down the edge to be able to kind of pry it open uh, to uh-huh. peel the dice out. And then when you're ready to cast again, you just close it back together and put a rubber band around it to hold it tight. Nice. And then you pour your resin in through the little breathing hole uh, when it sets, which usually takes maybe anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour, depending on the type of resin you have. You just take the rubber band off, pull the dice out, and then and then cut and sand down on the little edge to get a nice sharp edge again. That's one that's way right. that people do it. There are lots of, I think there are probably a couple different ways people do it. And you don't have to worry about drilling holes because that's in the mold already, right? Yep, it's in the mold. This so. is fascinating to me because I do have one dice printed by Fantasy Flight Games where I could tell that they didn't pour enough resin in the breathe hole and it has a little air bubble on a corner. It's like a D8 oh, yeah. and it has a little area that they just, it just the, the, the resin didn't fully fill. And yeah. so it was, it's a void. So that is one thing I'm curious about though is one nice thing about the resin printer is there's absolutely no, no bubbles, right? It is 100% solid. And I use the translucent green uh, resin so I can look literally look through the dice and see that it is pure like a pure solid uh, yeah, yeah solid um, I'm curious if if I sprayed it with like um, an enamel coating if I could use it um, to some level of degree the problem is is that the resin that you print off the resin printers well you can cure them and cure them if you cure them too much they get brittle yeah and then you know you're gonna start like breaking the dice on the edges but if you um, if if you don't cure it enough, then uh, then it scratches as well, and like it's easy to. So it's kind of like that's why no one uses the. That's why I think people cast it separately with a like a really hard resin um, uh, in a mold afterwards, and they just develop the dice in the 3D printer. But, right, uh, and that's I don't what know. I figured. We'll see. I, I like the idea of casting in a mold after. After yeah. they, after you three D printed your master set, that makes it, way more sense. It totally does because you can get resins that are like, yeah, I mean, like, uh, probably not really, but feel diamond hard, right? And just not gonna, not gonna break worth anything. Throw them across the room and they won't, they won't do anything to them. I, I have another question because this is fascinating to me. Um, if there's indents for the pips, or the symbols in this case, what is the how are those painted in? Do you do, do you brush paint it? Do you dip them in a thing? What's the best way to go inside the voids and to have uh, a different a differentiator between what what the so for instance if the resin is like a marble you know purple yeah. you're gonna have to color in white for the symbols like how is that done? It's a good question. I don't know. Um probably get on some youtube channels and find out pretty quick i'm i'm guessing that some people probably uh just the ones who love their dice probably hand paint it uh inside because you know it's in it's deep in it's not like a bubble that pops out um but i'm not sure i know in machines they that's where like the rock tumbling happens because they'll paint the whole thing and then they'll chip off the outside and it just leaves the inside yeah maybe it's a thing where you wipe it down or i don't know maybe i'm so interested now i mean i could see i could see how you would um just kind of like slop it into that little that little uh, crevice area and then you could you know if you did it quickly you could wipe it off and then worst case scenario you could sand over the top and and still leave the paint it seems like a really easy way to do it especially for complex designs on the dice yeah. yeah since it's really just a recess yep yeah yep yeah 
cool. That's probably, All right, thank you. Good idea. Thank you for answering my questions because now I'm crazy curious about custom dice yeah. making. I was well, not printing... before you shared your Geek Week. So thank you for your Geek Week, Jason. Yep, yep. Well, there, how many different dice? There's uh, there's like eight different dice in a standard die, RPG, Star Wars in RPG a, set or something. FFG RPG, it is a seven dice set. Seven, yeah. Yes, so I'm there. printing, uh, you know, one nice thing about a, a 3D resin printer is it's, no matter how much stuff you print, as long as it can all fit on the bed, it takes the same amount of time, right? Because it's just printing an Ooh. entire layer of that bed at once. So, I, you know, I'm printing like, uh, I think I got six dice to give the moving spacing. Six dice at any one given time. So I can almost print a full Star Wars set on one, uh, in one go. And it takes about three and a half hours for it to print off the printer. So I'm just going to bang out a couple of these and give them to him so that he can kind of have, he can experiment with sanding them down and, and doing his casts and molds. This is a buddy of mine who actually gave me this printer. So I, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to do this uh, for him. Yeah. Uh, but I will say it is interesting because, you know, one thing about 3D printing um, is the supports are like probably the most critical skill to learn on here. And uh, doing the dice require kind of a special ab approach to supports because you're balancing the dice on their points and you want you know minimal contact with supports on the face of the dice right you need a so smooth face yeah it's all along the edge and and i saw i i found a, a video that showed this guy that does a very 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 thin supports but you put like you know a ton of them touching back you know side to side all along this the the sharp edge of the dice um, so you kind of want to stand the dice up on its point, and then you do like three or four of these just kind of rows of these really thin supports, and it's worked re extremely well. Like I've gotten perfect prints every time I've done it. So uh, interesting, nice. interesting uh, uh, methods. Second thing I did this week was uh, I put up my Xbox, and there's a new game on the Games Pass called Signalis, which is an old like if you ever played Resident Evil One, which was like the kind of polygon 3D animation mm -hmm. um uh, horror style where you kind of you you kind of like walking through the house and then whenever you shoot like you just kind of pull your gun up and you, it's really horrible aim there's like no bullets in the game and but everything's really slow it's uh i think whoever made this game they really loved that style of a horror because it has that kind of 8-bit polygon uh very um uh, like a futuristic version of resident evil where it's really like a bunch of androids or, or um uh yeah what, what man i'm spacing it what is what is a robot that's biological uh a, a, um, a skin job a sk sure the bioroid i know i feel like there's a word a they were missing Cl well anyways they're I like an android yeah they're like androids that uh have a little bit of bionic uh, organic mm -hmm. matter in them, um, and they're they're kind of all spaced out inside this derelict, um, derelict like science lab station. And you're like you're slowly dungeon crawling through it, looking for it. But it has it it definitely has that old Resident Evil One style graphics and uh, and feel. Looks like a labor of love of like maybe one or two dudes that uh, developed the game. Fun game, anyway. So that's what I've been burning my burning my hours on when I when I find some hours. Awesome. Sounds great. Another thing yeah. for Games Pass, totally worth the money. Just try yeah. a game out. Hell, you know what? I don't even think I've installed it. I think I've been cloud streaming it. That's, That's awesome. It's called Signalis. Yeah, Signalis. Yep. That's very good. Dan, how was your Geek Week, buddy? 
Uh, pretty geeky. Obviously, I've been in and out of the show. Sorry, folks, because, you know, uh, real life comes first, as always. Um, and I did manage to squeeze in one of our Star Wars West Marches nights. Uh, I think the buddy that you're doing dice for was our GM. We had a great time. Did a lot of ship combat-oriented stuff. And now that everybody has to kind of pay their own way, getting this crap blasted out of your ship is super expensive to fix like super expensive to fix so you have to go do jobs to f to make money to fix your last botched job so it was pretty cool um, yeah so uh, don't get shot in space star wars players don't get shot if you have to pay for repairs that was like every time we played firefly that's like that's what it felt like no matter what job you took on it was like just a little bit less than the damages that you took on when yeah, you took the just job keep on. flying yeah just keep flying yeah it's hard to keep flying that's for sure yep. but it was great and um it was fun i had a good time um i'm also painting my star wars legion mando so i'm about a third away third of the way through my entire legion army nice. uh, a little, little over half actually not a third little a little over halfway through and um, I've got three very vastly different color schemes for the my three um, uh, tribes or uh, clan uh, Mando clans because I bought extra Mandos. I am, however, having kind of a miniature problem. Two problems. Number one, I'm going to give a shout out to Games Workshop. Their stuff is a lot sturdier. It takes the glue better. The glue is a tighter mm -hmm. bond. I hate to say it. Sorry, Atomic Mass and FFG, you're not towing the line there. Yeah, I, I noticed that too with the uh, Legion stuff when I was helping our friend John. Like, you'll very lightweight uh, pressure in the wrong place will pop a, a guy right off a base. And I'm yeah. like, that weld, it, shouldn't, it would not have come off of his Games Workshop. So props to Game Workshop. The other thing is really about painting. So I have this magnifier head head thing that i wear to see what i'm painting right because i'm old i'm an old man i'm going going blind it has a light on it, it has an led light on it and i work mm -hmm. with the led light on i get the paint job perfect i'm loving it i'm like this guy looks amazing i set it down in normal light and it's totally dark <laughs> everything is yep. just too dark so i'm yep. i'm really struggling with going back and pulling out colors and doing highlights um especially after doing a wash um a tone wash on the mini so I, I don't know if there's if you guys who have been painting longer than i have have any thoughts on that is it really just about doing a uh, keeping it real high like I, I guess i didn't hit white enough on zenithal or my light color on zenithal enough they just look a little too dark and muddy for my tastes uh so that is a very normal thing. And it's also very normal to look at it in like a very um, bright uh, tonal light as well. Because that's what that LED is, right? Yeah. It's um, kind of a tone. It's very like blue. Color. It yep. cleans everything up. Yeah. So it, it's very normal to look at that. And then you put it in normal light and you're like, ugh, that doesn't look as well. The reality is that your paint job's somewhere in between. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like if you take it to a game store, you're like, oh, actually, that doesn't look that bad. Because the, the light in our house is usually like a very warm light, but it's not very bright. You know, we're talking like 60-watt light bulbs, maybe 100, yeah. maybe, you know. And so 
Um, but you take it to a game store and you've got like big bright fluorescent lights there that are, are a little bit closer really to the LEDs. It comes to the Kelvin temperature of the yeah, light exactly. versus the wattage, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I noticed because I'm painting in one corner of my basement that is lower light, I walk it to the other side, they look a little better, mm-hmm. but still I'm not happy with them. Um, and so I, what I'm going back and, in, and doing is adding extra layers of, of highlights just because mm-hmm. I don't want to repaint the whole mini. I don't want to strip the mini. No, no, I don't I, think you need to. I'm pretty happy with it. I just need it. And one of the tricks I've come up with is I took the fairy dust, the army painter fairy dust, and mixed it with um, a flat, the flat acrylic. And so this is like, I'm going to do a highlight on top of something I've done with speed paint that's a good match, that's a close uh-huh. match. And I in in to whiten up the acrylic, to lighten it up, but then if I put that light white metallic in there with the little teeny flecks of metallic, it catches the light a little bit better. Sure. It's yeah. a little bit more of, it's a little, got, now I'm not, it's not like stripper glitter. It's not that much pizzazz, but it just has enough, especially when you're painting armor to say, yeah. oh, there's a little bit of metal fleck in there. It wouldn't work as well on something that's flesh, you know. Yeah, um, that works really well with the Mandalorians. And in fact, like a lot of the metallics that I paint with, I'll add, um tint colors and um you know like paint i'll add normal acrylic paint to a metallic to tint it down or to change it a little bit or even put like make it darker so just to get a um, hue that's that's a better feel for what you're yeah and i think i think what you're realizing is that if you just go straight wash over it and call it a day it looks a little um dirty yeah um you know and that's totally normal and so a lot of times you need to go back and hit some of those highlights again um, to make sure that those washes stay in the deep, you know, deep yeah. parts of the model, not on the the upper raised parts. Because I think um, those the wash is still worth yeah. it. The, the, oh yeah, the, oh yeah. The very organic feel you get from the wash is just like printing your own money. But everything just feels a little blah. Yep. So yeah, you just got to go back and hit some highlights, and if you don't feel like doing the whole model, focus on the face and like the upper chest arms. You're right. um, and, and and like that will paint like ninety percent because people that's where they look at generally first, right? So, yeah. you know, um, it's funny because uh, somebody did a thing with me where they painted like this model up, and I was like, dude, that looks amazing. And like, look at the boots. Didn't even paint the boots. It was still gray plastic. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Yeah, who you know cares? what I mean? Because like, cares, it, yeah, because yeah, you look at it and you're like, wow. And so they're like, yeah, just like, just focus on just focus on like you know the parts that people are going to look at if you if you're pressed for time or you know you just are trying to make it through an, an army or something like that yeah. you know i i can't say i'm pressed for time i'm kind of doing this this job slower i'm not like trying to burn through 100 minis just for the pure pure joy of burning through 100 minis because yeah. i really want to like these guys and the other part problem is I got some guys that are that are that have been on screen, right? I've got Boba Fett, yeah. I've got Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, I've got Grogu, and I've got Darth Maul. So I'm trying to get as screen accurate with the color scheme as I can. I found out, and I didn't realize this, that Boba Fett wears two different, slightly different costumes between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. These, this huh. is something I learned today. Trying to decide, ooh, should I do the Return of the Jedi paint scheme or the Empire Strikes Back paint scheme? Uh, long story short, the Empire Strikes Back has less color, so that's that one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was easier to do. That was less yeah. of a lift. But anyway, just really enjoying the Zen 
I like painting for long periods of time to get zen, people. It is a form of relaxation if you don't let it frustrate I've, you. I, I've been I've been shouting that from the rooftops for years. Oh my gosh! You know, yeah. it really does help a lot. So yeah. that's my geek week. What yeah. about you, Justin? Um, so I I have got all, like a lot of projects going on right now, um, and I had a bunch of work stuff, but I still wanted to get some geeky stuff in. So over the weekend, I decided to really try to plow through Cyberpunk 2077, and um, I have finished all of the, like the little like like hey, there's this robbery going on thing like throughout the entire city. So you're talking like hundreds and hundreds of these little like prevent a theft happening, prevent somebody from being mugged, you know, investigate a crime, like that kind of thing, and. Um, just got through all that, got through a whole bunch of the, the gigs that you have to do, got through a whole bunch of side quests. I'm getting down to now where it's just like, just got to push through the main story and I will be done with this game. And I got to be honest, I'm not loving this game. I, I don't know. Like, it's fun, but it's a worse version of Grand Theft Auto and I'm not a Grand Theft Auto guy, in my opinion. Like, it's... So why are you playing it if it's not fun? Because I'm a completionist. Yeah. Mm, so the completing it is fun. Yes, it's a it's, it's the accomplishment. It's the accomplishment, and it's a borderline compulsion. I don't know. Like <laughs> you're scratching an itch. It'd be hard to oh, walk yeah. away from something that close to the end. Oh yeah, but the thing is, is it's like I've walked away from games before where it's like I just struggle with it. But these open world games, I like for some reason have this compulsion to see it through to the end. Um, and plus I wanted to get a really good feel for the world because I have sitting on my shelf right here, uh, cyberpunk red, which was the inspiration for cyberpunk 2077, the, um, RPG. So now that I read through the manual, like I know who the tiger claws are. I know who the Sixth street gang is. I know, you know what I mean? Like I know who, um, these different people are, I know what a fixer is. I know like all this stuff. So as I read through that, it'll give me good context and I can, give a pretty good evaluation of like what that what that RPG is all about. Yeah, I, I agree. I think cross pollinating your IP knowledge really helps, especially when you're trying to build, you know, color and life into an RPG. Yeah. So, you, so your game will benefit from you slogging through a horrible game that you're not enjoying. Yeah. So that's the plan. Um yeah, exactly. This is all. This is just all research. Um, the other thing is that um, I got some good Warcry games in this last couple week, last last two weeks. Jason and I played a game um, at his place, and then we got to play at our uh, local game store yesterday with uh, one of his buddies as well, and got to try out some things. Uh, Jason, I don't know if you saw our Discord chat. I made a bit of a mistake on that uh, super oh, yeah, awesome ability. Yeah, <laughs> it makes it Oops. feel a little better. Was that the one that you <laughs> talked about better. on the show last week? Uh, no, with Dan. No, no. Oh, no. okay. No, no, no. Different ability. I, this was yeah. This was a different faction I played with yesterday. <laughs> so I don't feel as bad feeling like that was way op. It was it, it was like super OP. I was like, this we is were doing amazing. It wrong. Yeah. I was looking for a double. So the the what what happened is this: if I had a double that were sixes, I could play this. I could play this dice, and I would roll the number of dice according to the six. So I'd roll six dice. Every three up, I got 
one point of damage. So I think I rolled a three up and I rolled five out of six, right? So I did like five points of damage to Jason. And then at the end, it, it, at the end of the description, it says, after you've rolled all the dice, allocate D3 uh, points of damage to this fighter. And the way that I read it is the fighter that you had just attacked. But it really meant the fighter that had just used the ability. So I was doing an extra D3 points of damage to Jason's fighter, and I almost killed the, like one dude right out, straight up. And he's like, that is amazing. I'm like, I know, right? But it turns out my guy should have been eating that, that D3 points of damage, which no. would have changed the equation a little bit. But I still think it's a pretty good ability to knock out, like dudes that have like three or four wounds left it's a good way to it's a good way to use a double to finish if you can't kill somebody with your swings yeah so i think it's a great ability regardless like it's that last it's that last stitch throw a couple pebbles to finish the guy off yeah um super useful because how many times you get up and you're just like oh he's got one left or oh he's got two left well i got a double you always got a double and the ability to the ability to um free up a fighter that needs to move and be somewhere else is huge yeah i mean that's that's the thing about warcry right learning to be really good at warcry is learning to balance those abilities and freeing yourself up to free activations anyways this isn't the warcry podcast but when i saw your discord i was like that makes a lot more sense (laughs) (laughs) cheating is part of the podcast so i was like well he is the host of the show so he must have it right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well now we learned not to make assumptions right yes. ladies and gentlemen um yes. so it's so funny because i posted it in the warcry discord and people were like i mean it's not that good they're like that's not nearly like one of the best doubles in the game and i'm like are you kidding me i was like look at all this damage it does they're like oh no that d3 goes back to you and i go well i recant my statement about it being <laughs> the best one in there <laughs> wow yeah that's okay it- i still won it's the, yeah, it's true. Like it's <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's a it's a it's a good ability. It's not a great ability. Yeah, no. You know, so. I, I mean, I went to bed that night thinking I'm gonna ally that guy in every list, but then <laughs> now I'm like, oh, I guess now I got to think about it a little more. Yeah, think about it. He still hits pretty hard. But anyway, yeah. again, well, that's, the that's, whole point of the game designer is to not have an auto include piece in the game. Yes, right. agreed. Right. Yeah. Which is why we got to really figure monsters out because. Yeah, that chimera is, we got to figure that out. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, so anyway, it like got some gaming time in, both video game and uh, and board gaming, and I um or uh, I guess like war gaming, and I got some painting done too, so that's always nice. But uh, yeah, anyway, that that was my geek week. Good stuff. Which uh, with the end of the geek week, of course, that brings us to the news. I'm hitting play, I promise. Welcome to Tabletop and Beyond News. Sorry, the volume is Fade out, fade out, fade out, fade out. What is it about music that has that newscast sound to it? So like, you know, it's something you can tell when you hear it totally overblown it's kind of like the movie it's the apex movie moment in like an action film and the news people were like that's what we need to get people worried about black mold (laughs) that's right what i'm about to tell you gentlemen and ladies is the most important thing you have heard today in the last five minutes (laughs) 
right. We still do not know who has won the Senate in Georgia. Oh, yeah. okay. Thank, thanks. There's a box of puppies on the 24th and 7th. Right. <laughs> Don't everybody run. Yeah. All right. So uh, The Walking Dead is getting its own role-playing game, and our good friends at Free League Publishing are going to be putting it out over Kickstarter in spring of 2023. So there'll be a rule book, a starter set, and some other premium accessories that will be limited run that will go along with the fall 23 release. Now, I cannot put myself in the category of a Walking Dead fan, but I know it's big. And I'm glad to see that AMC of all, and it says AMC on, on, their, on the artwork. They, they are not running away from the IP. They're like, yeah, this is American Movie Classics now has its own RPG uh, um, affiliate, which is pretty cool if you ask me. So um, I, I do have a soft spot for the Walking Dead universe because that's the only set I forced, to, I forced myself on. Uh, I think I talked about that about a year ago on the set where I'm like, my ride is leaving. I'm walking through your shop. <laughs> That's so funny. But uh, anyway, so uh, for Walking Dead fans who want some zombie RPG stuff, we know Free League is always going to do a great job and it'll be a great Kickstarter. So uh, buckle up if that fits your gaming needs. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious about. I'm going to jump in real quick. Yep, yep, yep. Just because I'm curious about this. You know, I followed uh, the Walking Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead from the first episode of the comic book, um, and uh, up to the TV series. And I didn't keep going with the TV series. I watched into the past Negan. Okay. To not uh, not fully past Negan, but when um, yeah. The dude with the tiger. Yeah. The dude the, with the tiger yeah, pet. In the kingdom. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the basically that episode, the kingdom. Yes. The I think it was the second season of the kingdom where like at the last episode, like the kingdom guys come in to save the day and the tiger is like jumping from person to person, killing them. And and I, and I kind of looked at each other like, what are we watching? Like now <laughs> there's like tigers and. and yeah. It, it just kind of it kind of lost me at that. At Those that poor point. writers. Yeah. yeah, well, and there was like a karate episode where, like, you know, the guy who looked like Jesus, yeah, with the Jesus hair, he was like yeah. karate kicking zombies, and I'm like, okay, I'm not really feeling this anymore. Which is funny because like some of that stuff was in the comic books, and they made it work there. Yeah, it but just... in a comic book, I mean, it's looking like you know pretty direct, you know, like samurai samurai sword hits and you know yeah. flip yeah. kicks to, but it just didn't work from the directing style. Yeah, uh, um, I, I left The Walking Dead probably about the same time, Jason. Yeah. And my issue was it was like, oh, let's let's it's it, it was uh, always like the character of the week. Yeah. You yep. know what I mean? And, and like to me, when a show starts doing that, that means that they have run out of ideas for the main plot. Totally. It became you rinse know? and repeat. It was rinse, yep. repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse. I mean, it was the first couple seasons were so good because they were doing the world building they were doing the they were doing the yeah. exploration of characters in a post-apocalyptic world, and then it just became well, we can't you know any other character that we bring in is just going to feel like another character we showed like three weeks ago, right? And so they had to go like extreme with Negan. Now Negan was in the comics, right? And Kirkman yeah. went that way himself, but they chose to portray him in the way they did. And I thought that Negan, I thought that Negan was portrayed extremely well 
uh, when he first came in. Like that that guy, what's that guy's name? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, he did an amazing job portraying this kind of psychotic slash not psychotic. I mean, yeah. the dude, because he wasn't insane. Like he knew what he was. He had a plot. He was planning the whole time, right? But he's uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is one of my favorite like um, journeyman actors, right? Like he's in like a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. That you're like, oh, that guy's in it. That guy, right? So he was in Supernatural, right? He was the yeah, dad yeah, the in dad. Supernatural, yeah. mm-hmm. and he's in Walking Dead, and um, he's just he's he's been all over the place, and he's awesome in everything he does. And yeah. I thought he did great with Negan too. He was terrifying. Oh, too, there are people totally. there are people who left the show because they're like, I can't handle how intense he is. It was pretty. You know? It's pretty crazy. Which you know. Maybe bad for the show, but also for him as an actor. He's like, yeah, man, I knocked that out of the park. Like yeah, his baseball did. bat, right? Yeah. Uh, Grand slam. Yeah. Uh, little pun there. But anyway, so I'm excited for the – we're digressing. I'm excited <laughs> for the RPG, uh-huh. but I'm also, like I've said a lot, and this is probably just me, um, I'm cautious because, you know, like we talked about with the show, like what can you do with a post-apocalyptic RPG that hasn't been done to date? It's tough. Yeah, um, it's going to be tough. So I'll be curious to see, like, what, what are the overarching, like, story arcs? Like, what kind of world building are they going to do that's going to make it feel unique? That kind of stuff. So my my thought on this is is that the people who are going to be interested in this RPG are vested in The Walking Dead, or like, IP, right? Like, in, mm-hmm. in that world. And the world that is that zombie apocalypse world is that the humans are the real monsters and the zombies are just the backdrop. Mm-hmm. So I think any story, any kind of campaign that you're going to be running in there, you're going to be going up against other communities, you know, because that's kind of how, like, the the later stages of The Walking Dead were is that there were these communities that were sort of interacting with each other. Some were friendly, some were hostile, you know, and, and then you had your wild cards that kind of were would roam through and either stir stuff up or, you know, um, just be menaces themselves. Or, so I think, I think that that's where it's got to go. What I do look forward to, though, is seeing how the, you know, Year Zero engine is going to work with The Walking Dead because we saw in the Alien RPG how well it worked with the stress mechanic. I could totally see something similar a stress mechanic like with a like hordes of zombies barely down on you right like very good yeah so there's a mechanic that we never hit when we played our rpg session with aliens which is uh um when you actually get infected and i think that um that infected mechanic will will transition very oh, well yeah. yeah uh into this you have to do like um i don't remember what they're called i'm going to mix systems up but it's kind of like a vitality role uh it's not vitality yeah. it's something else but you have to do you have to do rolls and and you you know you a certain number of um um negative uh dice are added based off of the challenge of the roll anyways i think that the the same concept will play very well with the uh you know the spread yeah. of the virus or if you get bit or you know that kind of stuff cuz you can't just the problem with those kind of games um when you transition any kind of a zombie game to a or a zombie movie or tv show or comic to a video game you can't just be dead when you get bit. Right. Like every zombie game you play, like you know, you get you get attacked or or clawed or or something. It, it's it, you never. It's never the end, right? You've always got a health meter or something you can build back up. 
But, unless uh, unless this RPG plans for you to roll characters yeah. a lot. Yeah, just keep right. coming up. Oh, look, there's somebody new in the in our band of refugees. Yeah, look, well, I mean, that's how the alien new. RPG is, too. I mean, you yeah. you guys got lucky the way you did it, but um, you could have gotten infected, like, just with, a, you know, a single a, a good successful hit from the alien on you, and that would kind of really been game over for your character. Maybe not immediately then, but, you know, a couple... Uh, couple time shifts later a couple shifts later in time and that would have been it for you i mean so what you're saying is when i jammed my pistol in the alien's mouth and prevented myself from you know being bit that was the right call oh yeah that was a good call let me let me posit an idea that this game to the story point that you're you're pointing out might be one of those where the box set is actually a better deal than buying the core book because it sounds like a great two or three night Box. I think so. I think it's a great point, Dan. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's interesting. This would be a good starter set. Check it out, and maybe have a you know a one to two night event, and then see if you want to make anything long from it. I mean, The Walking Dead is has got a huge huge following. I mean, we we buy RPGs all the time from IPs that have a much smaller following than um, yeah. uh, than Walking Dead. So, yeah. it, 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 I'm glad Free League is doing it. It's I think it's cool. And it may not be the, um, uh, it, it may not, not every RPG has to be optimized the same way fifth edition is, you yeah. know, right. to, to keep playing the same character for years. So I don't made overly complex like fifth can be. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So I, um, I think that this would be like the, a lot of what free league puts out are like the kind of RPGs I want to play at Gen Con. Totally. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I want an amazing one shot and it's going to be so much fun. Let's dive in and play like that. You know, like I feel like free league, like I, we should almost do a free league convention because like, (laughs) you know, like all their games. Yeah. We'll fly Tomas over. Yeah. It'll be great. Run all of our games for us after no sleep and an over overnight international (laughs) flight. No. Um, but, but if you think about it, 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 it might be, you know, there's there's things about certain IPs that that don't require the same amount of world building. I've got P, there's so many RPGs out there that I've n- I have no idea what's going on in the IP. I've never even watched The Walking Dead, but I'm down for it. Nobody needs to get me up the learning curve of what's going on right. in the story. Well, so, and you're going to know everything about Alexandria. Yeah, right. Virginia? Yeah. Oh, it's see, Alexandria, the, Virginia. There you go. I know right right Although, exactly hilariously. where we're going. Hilariously, Alexandria, Virginia, and the show was very, very like. Rural. Oh yeah, rural. Like, <laughs> uh, it was like it was. It looked like it looked like maybe like two hundred years had gone by. Two hundred years. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sitting here going like, uh, like that looks like, I don't know, somewhere in Kings County, Virginia, like, yeah. like so rural that you're just like, this is not Alexandria. Uh, clearly, the, I mean, they're filming in Atlanta, right? But I'm just like, has anybody ever been to Alexandria, like? Anyway, oh, yeah. and and so. when the learning curve is low, it's easier to bring more people into the yeah. hobby. So yep. I'm sure you could get a whole bunch of Walking Dead fans together and say, "Hey, have you guys done an RPG?" No, I'd never do that. I'd never do D and D. Oh, you wouldn't? Well, would you try this? You know, and and yeah. you may get you may get some tickers. So I want to just make one last quick point, Dan. Um, you mentioned early that um, AMC was fully on board. Now, I think that that was kind of like a passing thing sort of that you said, but I think it's an important note because it's the genuine in- entertainment that is creating these partnerships with yeah. uh, Free League Publishing. They're actually kind of the Hollywood liaison, 
and they um, secured these IPs from the studios, nice. and that's who uh, that's who Free League Publishing is basically working with to get these IPs. And so they have a they have a really good partnership. They've come out with a lot of really great IPs that they've been putting out. And uh, and again, they're, the products that they put out are so quality. I cannot wait to see the artwork in there. Yeah, so. n- nobody think, has gone yeah. after IPs like Free League since FFG went nuts getting IPs uh, 15 years ago. Uh-huh. Where they were just racking one up after another, after another, after another, and then they got the cherry on top of Star Wars, and then they... Then you know the end of the story. Then, then yeah. Well, Free League's got metrics behind them too. You know, they've got quality material they can share and show a user base. Um, you know, I think they're viable. They're viable to continue to grab IP and be a sexy place for those big shots when they want to yep. step into the gaming industry. Yep. And look, they've got that partnership that's just the pipeline, and I think that's great for them. Yeah, it's great. All right, so, our, our next piece of news, we mentioned Modifius before. I, I am a fan. They announced a new line of printed home STL files for Star Trek Adventures. So you're going to use your own 3D printer, and you can get an original series landing party. You've got male and female models for Andorians, Denobulans, the doctor from Star Trek Enterprise, humans, Tellarites, the pig guys, and Vulcans, of course, in the, that original series era uniforms and there's also next generation there's a next generation klingon warband and i really do like the models for the klingon warband they're very cool in years past modifius would do a print run of sprue type minis and they did a couple of run i don't know how many runs of them they did but they have not restocked that line in a long 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 time so instead of going back to having sprues printed in China, they're just putting out STL files with new models, not the same old models. I'm sure there's probably some overlap with the Klingons, but the Klingon warband looks super cool. I just ended my uh, Star Wars Adventures Klingon campaign that I did for about a year, and uh, if uh, if this would have come out a year ago, I would have been I would have printed a ton of custom minis. Are these free, or do you need to buy the STLs? They're about four bucks each for the STL. For each model or each each pack? model. So they're not cheap because you got to print your own, but at the same time you buy it once and print as many times as you want. Yeah. So they have a lot of cool like Fallout print STLs as well. Huh. Yeah. The, the they, Fallout, they got a yeah. lot of STLs you can buy to print. Yeah. That's cool. So I mean they've they've got to make they've got to turn a profit here, um, and so uh, and you can get if you're selling digital goods from essentially Europe, an STL file doesn't care. You know where it was manufactured, what container ship it's on, and when it shows up at your game store. You know you can have the STL file today, and if you have a 3D printer, which is more more and more common in everybody's house, and extremely common at your public library. So if you're like, man, I sure wish I had a 3D printer that was good, go check out your public library. Um, you a lot of public libraries have great, not, not great 3D printing. I can't, I can't say how good of 3D printing it is, but it's. It's way more commonplace in uh, in the public sector in the library system. So, if you're into if you're into if you want cool Star Trek models, um, that's a, hey, you know, with four bucks you could have your own you know Klingon warrior and go take it and print it for free down at your local library, and that's that's pretty low bar, and you'd probably have somebody help you do it too. 
Mm-hmm. So um, go crazy. I thought it was cool. I wish I was cool. getting more into Star Trek, but I'm getting less into Star Trek for a little while. Um, but uh, the nice thing about the STL files is that they're, they're always just going to be out there. You know, they're not, not going to take those off their website and not sell them until, right. they, until they lose the license. Yep. So that's yeah, kind of cool. good. And the other thing is, is if you may, maybe you want to print them in the future, get the STL files now. And if they lose the, their license in 10 years, who cares? You can still print whatever you want. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Got it. Anyway, yep. that, those are my two news items. Uh, I've got uh, just a couple couple things I want to add real quick. Uh, they'll, they'll be fast. First one, uh, the Dark Tide 40, Warhammer 40K Dark Tide video game is going to be landing on the Xbox uh, in a week from Wednesday. So basically Wednesday, November 30th. Um, I eight know, days. I'm, eight days. I'm excited for this. This is like one of those. Um, yeah, me too. Four-player survival co-op games, sort of like the Left 4 Dead uh, games, where you've got to work your way through together. Um, if you've ever played Vermintide, it's almost exactly the same thing, except you've got las guns and and uh, you know war hammers rather than uh, fantasy stuff, right? So um, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. The reviews that I'm seeing are are very very positive about it. So. If you've got the Xbox Game Pass, look us up. Hit us up on the Discord, and we'll get a game. Let's let's play. Let's play. Um, the other thing is that uh, Games Workshop has just released a whole bunch of stuff coming out in the month of December in time for Christmas. Uh, there's a whole bunch of Age of Sigmar battle boxes. There's a whole bunch of uh, Warhammer 40K battle boxes. Uh, Warcry is coming out with a new box coming up. I wouldn't be surprised if they announce a Kill Team 1, Jason, in like two weeks. You know, just because they can. Well, although they did, did just come out with the other Kill Team one, didn't they? The Into the Dark one. Yep. Um, we'll see. We'll so, see. But, but the point is, is there's a whole bunch of like models coming out. If you need updated Christmas lists, like this is the time to do it. And um, I did see a funny meme, meme the other day. It's like somebody was like, um, uh, uh, what did they say? They said basically like when we ask, uh, when we ask for for models for Christmas. It's like asking for Legos and getting duplex blocks. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, cool. These are nice. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait to you put know? this yeah. together. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. So. I've anyway. got, uh, I got one more in yeah. 10 days for all you horror game fans out there. Callisto Protocol drops the 2nd of December. I'm excited for this. This is this is a game that is directed by Glenn Schofield, who was the director of Dead Space, the original Dead Space, oh. which is like my number one favorite uh, horror series is the Dead Space series. So Callisto Protocol looks very true to the to his take on the original Dead Space. Uh, this is a guy who stepped away from horror for a little bit, and he's done a lot of work with the modern warfare. So he's been in gaming for a long time, but he's... It looks like he's getting back to his real horror roots here with this game. I'm super excited about this game. But uh, anyways, check it out if you like. If you liked Dead Space or any of those kind of horror survival, sci-fi, futuristic, and trapped in you know derelict station trying to survive kind of a place. So I'm guessing this is a sci-fi one too, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have a quick update to mine. You can buy the entire Klingon Warband STL file pack of eight models for 1820 on the Modifius website. That's not bad. And you can no, also buy the Federation 
uh, group of 10 models for $25.48. Yeah. And they are also available on DriveThruRPG and for slightly less money for some reason. I think there has to, this is an, this is how much things cost when you, <laughs> it's a currency, currency exchange number, like it's $3.64 on the website, $3 on DriveThruRPG. <laughs> right. So if you want to save that 64 cents, bucks, buckos, you know. Well, you know, do. I mean, I think, I think uh, that's, that's. To me, that's much more reasonable, like compared to a lot of other STLs that are out there. Not, you know, where, like a four dollar model still is not a bad, not like a terrible price, especially if like you're really into Klingons. But if you can get a pack that makes them about two fifty a model, that's even better, yeah. you know. So, sweet, very good. Sorry, sorry for the follow up. I should have had that piece that's of okay. information ready to go. No, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, as, as everybody can tell, there's lots of stuff coming up. Uh, is there anything that you guys are tracking that we need to be announcing on the uh, on the podcast here? Because uh, we know that there's lots of things coming out. Tis the season, after all. And uh, speaking of season, we are recording this literally days before Thanksgiving. And hopefully we'll have this out for your ears before Thanksgiving so that if you do find yourself in some sticky family situations, you can go off by yourself and listen to our sweet, sweet voices console you with the, the thought of games and what we're thankful for this year. So, Jason, why don't you lead us off with what you're, what what were you thankful for this year in gaming? I'll give you one of them, uh, Gen Con. I was grateful for getting away with a bunch of guys bunch of friends and uh, going to a gaming convention again this is a first time in a in a in a few years that we uh that we had gotten back together we got a uh a vr verb verbo or whatever it's called uh yep. airbnb style house and uh just you know just off the beaten path and had a had a fun four four solid days of gaming and uh, meeting new people and, and, and just hanging out and having a blast. And it was great to head up a convention. It's been the first first away-from-home convention I'd been to since uh, since the pandemic had hit us. So I was yeah. grateful for that. Yeah, it was good times. The house that we stayed at was uh, was nice. It was, it was. very nice Even house. better when uh, we had personal scooters left at the house for us, right, Dan? <laughs> yeah, well, well chosen, Dan. Well, you know... It, it, there's always a bit of risk involved in those in those verbos you know you don't really you think it's going to be great you can't you know you never know there's always some surprises of something you weren't expecting but um uh, it was a good way to do gen con Uh, i we'd have to i don't know if it's a great replacement for hotels completely but it's a it's it's a solid option um i will say that uh, the shower was the size of like a telephone booth yeah. and that was that was a little tough sometimes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. well there was you a know. bigger shower downstairs if you went downstairs i don't know if it was that much bigger <laughs> oh that's true you're right there were some choices made on that house that were yeah very head scratchy choices yeah that's okay that's all, that's right. all right all right they're getting their money out of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, we we did okay financially too that was not an expensive place yeah. to stay um yeah, what about you, Dan? Uh, what What is the first thing you're thankful for? I think for? I'm really grateful. I I think we are kind of super spoiled um, in our circle of having multiple active gaming groups to kind of poke our heads in and out of. 
I know other people in my demographic who don't have active gaming groups where they live, and they go, oh, well, I can't do an RPG. I don't, I don't have three other friends that want to do it. And maybe they could if they put a little energy into it. It takes almost no energy for our group to get together and to do something or parts of mm-hmm. our group or recombinations yeah. of our group. And it's our, our group is spidered out so big. There's so many folks that there's no way the group calling it the group doesn't really make sense. So I'm, I'm very <laughs> thankful that I'm turning down games all the freaking time. Yeah. Um, that's like an embarrassment of riches. So thanks for that. Thanks for you guys for hosting games. Um, I try to host games at my place, um, and we we just keep the ball rolling, and it just has not stopped rolling for many years now. So yeah, let's keep it, it used up. to be that game night was once a month, and now I feel like you can almost hit it up weekly if you if you can make it work schedule wise because there's one available. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean to go along with that, like I've got a whole bunch of RPGs like that I want to try out and just kind of get a feel for. And it's been great to be like, hey, who wants to try out uh, uh, RuneQuest this year? You know what I mean? And, and stuff like that. And just, just to be able to, like, pull in a whole bunch of different people every time. It's not like it's the same group of people that's playing these RPGs with us every time. we got a different group, it seems like, every single time that we're trying these things out. And, you know, that's a real testament to kind of uh, fostering it, like finding those people that uh, – that, like games and inviting them along come along buddy come along and uh like i think i think we i don't know that we've talked about our buddy adam here on the podcast but um the funny story about how he joined our gaming group is he saw a facebook post that my wife put for my birthday that was of GuildCon. like it had a picture of GuildCon in there of me playing star wars legion and he commented on my wife's facebook post for my birthday saying like dude, are you playing Star Wars Legion? You know? And I said, I am. And it, and we had to, like, try to, like, figure out how we knew each other. And it turns out our daughters swam together. <laughs> and our wives and our wives were friends because we're in the same, they were in the same, like, swim moms group. So yeah. she he was friends. He was obviously friends with his wife. I'm friends with my wife. But because it was friends of friends, like, he could see my wife's post and comment on it. And now he's playing with us regularly. Yeah. You know, and and he actually ran his first RPG ever in his life the other night uh, that I think, Dan, you helped prep him for, right? I did. I did. I couldn't make the game. I wanted to be there, but family stuff, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, like, how amazing is that, right? Like, here's a guy that's, like, commented on my Facebook post randomly, and here he is running an RPG, like, less than a year later Yeah, in our gaming group. And we have to realize that there's a lot of people listening to the show right now. Their gaming group, they could be middle-aged or in their 30s. Their gaming group is still their same gaming group from high school. And that's cool, too. But I think we really do have an embarrassment of riches. So I'm super thankful for being overly blessed with gamers that I'm turning away games and trying to decide what games to get into. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well... So and so plays that game. I, if I bought that one, I could play with so and so, and I've got like lots to choose from. Yeah, good stuff. What right. about you, Justin? Um, so I'm going to go the same vein as you, Jason. Uh, conventions. I am super grateful that the Nova Open is back. Um, it had been shut down for two years, and the last time I went to it was in 2019, which is the last time that they had it until uh this year so it was closed in 2020 2021 so it's open in 2022 
And um, I had a lot of fun. I played in the Age of Sigmar tournament and realized that I was out of tournament shape, like meaning that five games really took its toll on me. Um, which is funny because, Jason, when we were playing Age of Sigmar heavily before, uh, and we were playing, you know, the RTTs like monthly and, you know, like some of the other t five game tournaments, going to like the LVO, like made it through those five games like no problem. You know, but this time I was just like so mentally yeah. exhausted by the end of it, you know, and um, it's just really funny how you have to kind of build up your tournament mm -hmm. stamina. You got a big that stamina, yep. Yeah, so, um, but I'm glad it's back and the Nova Open helped fulfill one of our uh, goals that we had set out to do early in the year, which I think yeah. that we'll talk about at the end of December, maybe early January, yeah. Yeah. which was host an event. And when we said host an event in January, there's no way on planet Earth that I thought that we would be hosting the Nova Open Warcry tournament. <laughs> you know. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> I mean, you can you can make the future real. I mean, you can define your own destiny, at least in gaming. I don't know about the rest of life, but <laughs> gaming. Is... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I th I think that it was pretty cool, and uh, I thought the tournament went really well. We've made a lot of really great connections, and as we look forward to what the next year brings, and I, I can't wait to talk about this in January, but I think that there's bigger, better things that like we can do with hosting some of these events and Warcry and really kind of just stake a claim on like being a part of the active community there. So I'm really, uh, really excited about that, and I think that uh, the, you know, the Nova Open was a, a great stepping stone for what could be in the future too. So Yeah, great. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, my next one is um, Games Pass. I am super grateful for Games Pass. I had one of my New Year's resolutions that we talked about at the beginning of the year was to play a new game every month. Oh, nice. And um, whether that be board game or video game or role-playing game. And I've been able to achieve that um, largely because of what Dan said. We have uh, an active gaming groups that have gotten even more active this year. But also because of the Games Pass. It's very easy for me to sit down and with the advent of the cloud gaming accessibility, I don't even have to wait for games to install. I can look at something. If it looks interesting, I can be playing be playing it in two minutes or less. Yeah. So very grateful for that. It's uh, like we've talked about it so many times. I think it's well worth the money. I think, you know, the, the PlayStation equivalents as well. Any, any kind of a games pass on a platform that you play on is a great way to save money if you're an avid gamer uh, by, you know, giving yourself the options to try new games uh, without paying, dropping the sixty bucks uh, regularly, because that's the price of most games nowadays is somewhere on the order of forty to sixty bucks, and a Games Pass is typically on the order of fifteen. Yep. Uh, so you're yep. you're overall you're going to be saving yourself money, and you're going to be playing more games than you would if you were buying them outright. That said, um, if there's a game you really love, you know, sh go for it. But uh, Games Pass is a great way if you just want to get lots of games under your belt. You know what I use it for is to shut my kids up about what games they want to buy. It's like, <laughs> oh true. hey, let's go, let's get this kind of game. I'm like, well, go find the equivalent on Games Pass and just go do that because there you um, go. That's free. You can download it right now. Save you money. And they look. I, there's no way we could download 12 games a year for what we're paying for Games Pass. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm a fan. I don't use it, but my kids do. So you know it. It makes the Xbox a very, very, a very, very useful entertainment device. Yeah, and I think with, you know, the cloud technology 
um, well, the cloud streaming technology and the reduction in latency, and not even really the reduction in latency, because that, that it really hasn't really changed that much over the, the recent uh, years. It's really just the optimization of gaming across that level of latency. Um, it and the types of games you can play that that are that still feel fine over that. It really, I think, is moving us in a direction of not needing an optimized set-top box to be able to play in the gaming industry. I think you'll always have your, you know, your your super PlayStation fives or your super Xbox Series Xs, but I think you'll, I think we will in the future we will see very simple streaming devices and potentially TVs. That just have cloud gaming built into them, yeah. Uh, that will enable people to join this industry. I think I think that's Xbox's vision. Honestly, oh, yeah. I think they. I think that in fact they have stated they want to get out of the console wars. Yeah, I mean, imagine yeah. buying you know buying a uh, uh, we'll just say Samsung because that's an easy brand for a Samsung or an LG TV that has Xbox Game Pass built into it. Yeah, and it just comes the TV comes with a controller. Or you can just you know you can sync a Bluetooth controller up to it. And you're playing a game. As long as they keep patching those damn things, as long as they keep running firmware updates. Yeah, that's my number yeah. one. Gra- I, I I was an early adopter in smart TVs and smart devices and smart DVD players that were also Netflix boxes. Mm-hmm. And one of my gripes was that, it, with the exception of Roku and the big boys who are out right now, who but everybody who would put out a device that could also do a thing wanted would support it for 12 months and then they would stop supporting it. Yeah. And then they'd be like, so just go buy the new box and you'd be like, jerk. Right. And the opposite was like Roku. They'd be like, Hey, you're running this super old piece of hardware. Um, We're going to give you a $30 discount to buy a new one, but you can still running, run the old one. And if it just dies on you, we're sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my house is a Roku house. Every TV has got a Roku on it. Yeah. And, and and I was running Roku hardware years after years after it had fallen off their 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 patch cycle. So um, yeah. they care about the end user experience. The problem is with the Samsungs. You mentioned Samsung. Is I can't say the same thing about them and, and their smart TVs. So I think no. we need like an architecture that is more reliable than than what we've got so far with the streamers being included in smart TVs. Well, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see like the equivalent of Roku's that are like, you know, a $50 all set, all things streaming that will also have the game streaming yeah. built yeah. into them. Yeah. Yeah. We already kind of have, there are a couple Android based uh, devices out there, out there that do that. But, uh, and Chrome, you know, Google with their Stadia that they tried to kind of kick off. But I think we'll see that. I think we'll see Roku's that have stream game streaming. Yeah. Enabled and knowing more. that it's, it's, you know, all of the all of the heavy lifting on graphics is being done, you know, in the cloud on the yeah. server side. And we've got thin client, you know, being the, the, the what you need to play on the on the user side. Yeah, we're, we're digressing a bit. But anyway, so that was my what I was grateful yeah, for was I, games pass. I don't want you to be thankful for that because I disagree. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but Dan, what's your next man? Um, uh, the hobby side of game, the hobbying side of gaming. We went in depth into this uh, a couple podcasts ago, so I won't recycle that. But I actually enjoy the hobbying side way more now than I did several years ago. I don't know if that's because I have more space to do it. I have more. I don't know. Whatever. My my lifestyle is conducive to game to hobbying as well as gaming. 
and leveraging hob- the hobby inside, uh, uh, reinforcing the gaming side. It used to be you're playing the game or you're not playing the game. Now it's like, well, I'm going to go work on this modeling and I'm going to paint some models or I'm going to do this. I first built the game table uh, two years ago, and then over the last year I've gotten into uh, mini painting and uh, m- model building, and, and it's fun. I'm getting it. I, I like it. It's fun, and um, I'm thankful for it. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't just buying stuff, ripping it out of the box, putting it on the shelf. Now now I'm, there's a lot more. I have a lot more investment in what I'm doing than I had a couple years back. So, so I think Dan too. Like, we needed to find the right size for you, for the the modeling and painting stuff, right in the beginning, because um, the idea of you doing the the classic Citadel method of the base coat, the wash, the edge highlights, all that kind of stuff, I think seemed pretty daunting to you. Um, and whether that be your setup or whether it be the technique or whatever it was, but I think, I think we found the right size for you to get you kind of like dipping your toe in the water with those speed paints, you know, and then kind of it grew, grew on and there's more and more. We kind of added layer upon layer, you know, as you would with two thin coats of paint. (laughs) Beautiful metaphor. That's a beautiful metaphor, but you're right. You shouldn't, you should be able to get people, the hobby should not be a, a wall, a painful wall to climb of, of a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people who paint a lot are used to painting a lot and don't understand what it was like not to paint minis. And so there, yeah. some people have a harder time communicating that it's, it can be fun and satisfying. And now that the tools are slightly better and you can get slightly better results with slightly less talent than you could maybe a few years ago, yeah, it, it kind of relieves some of the pressure. Totally, um, and I think um, I think that there's a lot more like content out there, like YouTube, that you can look up and see how to do that um, wasn't even there like maybe three or four years ago. You know, so um, there's a there's a lot of good stuff there, and you know, it's funny because you know people ask me will sometimes ask me for advice in painting, and I. I have to like be like, okay, well, where are you in your painting journey? You know yeah. what I mean? Because I don't want to set them on a path that's going to ultimately frustrate them. So I'm like, look, if speed paints is what's going to help you get that army painted, do it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not my style at this point. Like, I'm not going to be like a massive speed paint guy. I might use it like once or twice. Yeah. But if that's what you if that's what you need to like get into the hobby and really like feel accomplished like please do that like that's exactly where you need to be right now yeah you know yeah and so. I, I think it's really incumbent upon the community and i think you have demonstrated this and jay is to like when you're good at something and somebody isn't is you know you got to be on their side not like oh your thing sucks you know because <laughs> you've never done that you know yeah um and that that really helps a lot because you, you've, there's got to be a permission space. you got to give yourself permission to learn how to do a thing. And when you paint a mini, it's just out there in the universe unless you put it in a box and hide it away. People pick it up, mm-hmm. pick it up, and look at it, and they go, oh, cool. you know, Or they go, oh, yeah. wow, that that's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> there's a choice. You made a choice there. That's an interesting yeah. choice. So um, it's okay to suck a little bit. Don't, don't, don't be too harsh on yourself. Well, you know, I, I think you make a good point there too, which is like, we all have 
especially if you're getting into art stuff, like you have a taste. And, and this is what Ira Glass said. He was from This American Podcast, right? Or This American Life yeah, Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, he says that, like, you know, people who are kind of like into the podcasting business or want to kind of do interview journalistic stuff, like, you get into the business because you already have taste for something. Like, you, you, are, you know what looks good and what doesn't look good. And what you do is, like, you, you try it out and you realize, oh, that's not good. Let me try to make it better. Oh, that's not good either. Let me try to make it better. And it's that kind of iterative process that you have to go through that where you find your own style, you find your own taste. Like, but, but the thing is, is we all kind of come into this innately knowing, like, what looks good and what doesn't. Like, you can look at it and be like, that looks really amazing. Or, oh, that's not, that's not quite the quality I want to go with or I want to get. And that kind of pushes you to to do a little bit better. And so you never want to tamp down somebody who's on that, like, journey yeah. and be like, it's so bad, you should be out of this hobby forever, right? Like, yeah. Because the thing is, is they probably already know. They probably already know that, like, hey, this isn't the best mini ever, but it's my first one, so I'm happy with it and, like, proud of it. And and you don't want to ever, like, put out that fire of enthusiasm. Yeah. You yeah. know? It's, and, and some, it, yeah, you just got to jump in and, and, and give yourself, give it a try and, and not say, no, this is impossible. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's, look, I'm going to say contrast paints, speed paints helped me a crap ton. And washes, like um, ink wash, army painter washes, made my life, um, improved my results so much that I liked looking at my results. Yeah. Instead of painting and going, oh, this is garbage. Please put this in a box and hide it. Right, right. So, anyway. It makes such a difference. That's great. And I'm happy for you, man, because, like, you know, you talked about it before. Like, I'm just not good at this. I just don't want to do this. But then hearing you now, like, it's your zen space. You feel happy. You feel content while you're doing it. Like, that's the things that I love yeah. when I hobby. You know what yeah. I mean? And so I, I like hearing that you're, you know, you're in that space, too. And it reinforces playing later with people. And, yep. and that's social. And social is good. So it actually gives you this really fun antisocial thing to do that makes you more social later. It's very weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. We love hobbying, obviously. Go for it. Okay, you're next. Obviously. Uh, So I'm looking at this collection that I have, I've started really in 2022. And I didn't think it was something that I would be doing when we talked about stuff in January, but here I am. I've got a whole bunch of starter sets for RPGs. I've got RuneQuest here, Call of Cthulhu, The One Ring, um, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Um, you know, I've, I've got a couple more, but I've got a, just a bunch of these starter sets that I've sort of collected here. Um, Pendragon, Blackbirds. And I, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of realizing that I really, really love starter sets and I'm thankful for them because I really love playing a one to three mission campaign, you know, or session or whatever it is. And, um, just testing it out, seeing what I love about the game and then deciding, do I want to make a bigger game out of this? Yes or no. And it's just been so much fun to learn a lot of these different systems. It was so much fun learning RuneQuest. And basically, it was like the, it's like the OG of the D100 games. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, like, you you look at that and you're like, so that's where, like, the Warhammer 40K got its stuff. So that's where Cthulhu got its rules from. So that's where, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, all of that. So that's where the Apocalypse system got its, got its you know, start. And then you play some of these other games, like the Aliens RPG starter game, and you're like, this is a completely new system, and it's totally fun. And let's try it out and see how we like it. And what I love it is that I'm not married to any of these starter sets in terms of, like, a long campaign. If I just want to play a couple of the scenarios out of them, we can. And uh, if we want to, again, if we want to get the core rule book afterwards and dive into it a little bit more, that's great. But man, it's great for some one shots. Yeah. That are just a ton of fun. The, I will say the downside a little bit is that I'm usually the one that's running them. Sometimes I want to play them more than I want to run them. Mm. But I don't mind running games like this because I, I do enjoy the aspect of digging into kind of the mechanics and like, how does this work? And most starter sets come with a rules light version. So you don't get bogged down with like, okay, well, how does grapple work? Well, and they're way, you know, they're way more, stuff like that. they're just way more fun. I hate to say it. And it doesn't require so much of an investment to get a big, thick 300 plus page, yeah. fully color printed hardbound book, and then try to reverse engineer how to play the thing. Right. So right. you can entertain your friends if you've never played it before. And you're the one running the story and a new system. Beginner boxes are where it's at. Yeah, I I remember one of the first RPGs I played was the Dungeons and Dragons um, starter set, which which was the what was that one? It was the um, uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Starter set, and boy, oh boy, was that fun! And then and then that that was at Shankon, and then we played the Star Wars starter set, the Force and Destiny one. Yeah. And same again, weekend. Same weekend. Yeah, and man. Again, what a blast that that was! I had so much fun playing those games, and uh, they're just—they're great. Usually, the scenarios are light, but they're super fun, and you can—you can do it. So, I'm very thankful for all the starter sets that are coming out because it's expanding my knowledge of the RPG universe and kind of what's out there. And man, if you have feeling like you're stuck in a in a D and D five E rut, get out. Go get a starter set. Like Cthulhu's twenty dollars. I think the one rings like thirty five dollars. Yeah, you it's know, the I cost mean, of a pizza, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. So invite your friends over, have them spring for pizza. You buy the starter set. Everybody's happy. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. It's a win. It's a win, -win. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. So that's what I'm I'm thankful for, starter sets. Very cool. Yeah. Back to so, you, Jay. So, yeah. So, uh, this year I was very grateful for Elden Ring. That was a great experience um, to dive back into a game that was in the spirit of the Souls franchise. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've been a fan since Demon's Souls back on the original PlayStation. Or not original, but on a PlayStation 3, I think. And... Uh, Followed all of the Souls games, um, uh, even played uh, Bloodborne on the PS4. It, uh, the such a good game, Elden Ring was huge, huge game. Um, like always, great deep story, um, story that unfolds and unravels as you 
kind of play the game and, and you investigate the item descriptions and just very very woven uh, uh, players and characters that uh, all kind of tie together and uh, great game perfect for the franchise um, loved it played tons of co-op with friends online um, not so much PvP I'm not a big PvP fan in those in those kinds of games but the co-op part I really loved just a just a great addition to this year I think and um, and uh, I'm, you know that's one of those where like I argue the games pass all the time to save money but I dropped a full 60 bucks on that game because I was willing to play it and I'm happy I did I think I put like 200 some hours into that game so got yeah. my got my money's worth out of it so I also got this game, but I just I did not get into it as much as you did. Yeah, I don't. I think we only co-opted like once. I well, I don't think we ever actually co-opted. Yeah, did we never? Yeah, no. It just our schedules didn't work out. It was happening like during my kids' rugby season and all that stuff. And yeah. So, um, but you know, the thing is, is like I I played Dark Souls and stuff like that too, and uh, I like I like them. I really do, but I just um. I don't think I love them as much as you do, so I know how thankful you are for these ones. Like I, I because I know how passionate you are about these ones. Yep, uh, very passionate about the games. That to me, they are they are very skill based, um, very skill based games, and I really appreciate that kind of stuff. So yeah. I'm grateful for the game. Um, you know, I'm not, we've talked about it before. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna spend time on it here, but you know. Gen Con Games Pass and Elden Ring is was one of it was my main exception this year as the game that I was willing to drop money on, and uh, Callisto Protocol may be my next one, but we'll see. Nice, very good, very good. Uh, my next right, one Dan. is Great Publishers. I'm going to give a shout out to Free League. I'm waiting for the Blade Runner um, Kickstarter to come in the mail. I'm excited about same, that. same. Uh, Modifius. I have spent a good amount of money on two Modifius RPGs this year, and I'm thankful for them. That all of the products I bought have been crazy high quality. Um, and I'm going to say Games Workshop. I, I've dipped my toes into Games Workshop, and I have enjoyed it. And I think I might be spending more money on Games work- Workshop in the upcoming weeks and months. Um, <laughs> nice. I, I cannot shout out Edge Studios that has left us all high and dry on Genesis <laughs> and on um, on Star Wars. And I'm Atomic Mass Games. I'm going to give kind of a, a... They've done a great job publishing FFG stuff. Let me just say that. <laughs> I'm waiting for their stuff to get good. Um, yeah. But um, I wish it was as good as I wish it. I wish it was top notch. But uh, there are great publishers out there, and um, you don't have to just fall in love with one publisher. I'm talking to you, Wizards of the Coast fans. Uh, there's other people out there who are making great products that you should get serious about. It's pretty wild to me that like, Free League Publishing is like, mopping the floor with atomic mass games and like that's got some pretty heavy ips oh my gosh oh you, know you mean, mean edge which is yeah, produced edge. yeah nothing sorry, edge. like yeah. literally nothing yeah um well maybe one so. book they they produced i think a 5e you know their own yeah. I, their own ip in a 5e wrapper which is like Ugh. okay so you did the same thing like 20 kickstarters did in the last six months right exactly. here's your applause so they actually have to. They sent out a "We're sorry, we're, we suck" note to the fans. They're like, "Oh well, you know, between uh, China <laughs> and supply chain and their work, our, our pipeline, 
I'm like, you guys are garbage. Meanwhile, you're watching other small independent ones like killing it, right? Yeah. Well, and you're like, yeah, okay. All they would have to do is put out one item on a product line that I spend money on, and they would have my money. But you guess who's got my yeah. money? Modifius has has it and a free league. So yeah. I'm not trying to throw sh- shaded edge, but they've earned all the shade I'm throwing. Yeah, but you know, it's funny though because it's like I was talking with uh, with Lincoln the other day when he got his um, Blade Runner RPG. How fast was that fulfillment? They knew what they're doing. Like ridiculous like they just had the 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 kickstarter for it back in june and they're already it's already fulfilled like i mean that's not even like normal kickstarter timeline that like the normal kickstarter timeline is we would have it next year in 2023 you know and so the fact that the, it's like people are getting it in the mail they've already had the pdf like i don't know like i it just there's some there's some companies in the industry that I think uh, that have taken for granted that there was only a few publishers, legit publishers, for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You got another great. one? Oh, you're, you, uh, you, your one is the same as my fourth one, so I'll delete my fourth one. Yeah, okay. So I was going to talk about gaming social media. Like, uh, it's, it's kind of nice. Uh, this kind of goes hand in hand, Dan, with your comment about the communities. Um, and I think it, it being a part of an active gaming community is impo- is great and important, especially when you have like an in-person one. But uh, the fact is, is that like there's a lot of great gaming social media out there that gives us our our virtual and you know kind of like uh, network affiliated gaming groups, I guess you know. So that's your discords out there, uh, your Facebook groups and. You know your WhatsApp chats and all of the, all that stuff. Um, I'll even give a little bit of a shout out to Twitter. I normally hate Twitter with a passion. I really do. That's because you're a good well, person. May not have it. May not have it in a little bit. Anyways. I know, right? You, so, hey, we can it, go. I'll get our blue check marks now, right? Yeah, right. So everybody looks like they're bailing for Hive, which I'm like, great. That's just another social media thing that I have to like look into. But but the point is, is that. Um, <laughs> Twitter, the funny thing about Twitter is that I had a personal account for a long time and I was following politics and sports and movies and all that kind of stuff. And I got to the point where I'm just like, ugh, I don't even want to be on this bathroom wall of the internet anymore, yeah. you know? Um, but then I realized that a lot of the gaming stuff is on Twitter. And, you know, whether you like it or not, the game publishers are out there, the, you know, like there's there's influencers that are out there, like... You know, there's an audience out there that's on Twitter. And so I said, okay, I'm going to create our Tabletop and Beyond Twitter account. And I just said, I'm just going to follow gaming people. Like, I'm not going to follow Sony, and I'm not going to follow Donald Trump, and I'm not going to follow, you know, like, I'm just just following just gaming people. If you have a podcast, and, and like, I'll look at people's profiles if they follow me, just follow them back. And if it says anything about, like, games board games rpgs i'll follow you back if it's just like funny guy who likes to talk about politics yeah forget it like i'm not following you back right like you may be totally into into games but if you're not even willing to put that in your description then like i i just i'm not going to follow you back because i just don't want to clog up the feed that's not like gaming related you know so Mm -hmm. um my point is this is that there's some amazing communities out there that um really have some 
great insight into games and gaming and all sorts of things, you you kind of need to go out and find them. Like, go find your people out there on the internet. If if it's on Twitter, like, make sure you curate that list of people like very carefully so that you get that good gaming feed. If it's Facebook, go find the right groups. If it's you know WhatsApp or Discord, I mean, it seems like everybody's got a Discord channel nowadays, including us. Um, but you know what? If you really are into geeky things and you just want to, you know. Uh, you know, talk a bunch or, or, you know, BS about different things like the Weird Al movie, like, jump in our Discord. Like, uh, you know, we talk about a lot of weird, geeky stuff that sometimes isn't even gaming-related, but I find super interesting. I love me some Discord. That was my item. It's great to not be... to curate your group and to not have to deal with advertising. So... Right. um, And it's free, and you can pay if you want to pay, so... I love me some Discord. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, totally. Good times. So, yeah, so I think we had a lot to be thankful for this year. Um, you know, I think the theme of what we were seeing is it like it was a good year to get back into sort of in-person gaming, and we definitely reaped the rewards of that, and it kind of expanded some of our horizons. So what a great year. What a great time to be around in a gaming. I, I do think that we're kind of in a golden age of gaming right now tabletop gaming where we're seeing a lot of great things come out on the board game front there's new like and improved war games uh you know there's the rpg scene is just ripe for new newness and uh i mean for goodness sakes we've got a D movie coming out next year right that's supposed to be a pretty big blockbuster so awesome you know like this is a great time to enjoy it to be happy to be thankful and you know the more that we're grateful the more that uh that helps our fellow gamers be happy and thankful as well so anything else to add gentlemen i'm well said i'm thankful for justin he's the glue that keeps this podcast going so if you guys like our show it's all justin and jay and i are just along for the ride I don't. I don't know about that. Uh, you guys definitely uh, balance out the the weirdness that that I am. So I appreciate you guys too. Cool. You know, good times. So. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for listening to us tonight. Uh, we hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you're in the United States. And if you're not in the United States, well, happy Thursday. Have a great so, Thursday. Have a great Thursday. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> all right, everybody, have a have a great night, and we will catch you next time. Keep the dice rolling. Later, bye. Yeah.